Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello and welcome to Engage for Success Radio and show number 379 in our weekly series. And um, today we're actually going to be reverting back to the originally planned topic. I think those of you, those of you who were listening to last week's show will have heard my colleague Joe uh, explaining that today we were going to be talking about our plans at Engage for Success to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the launch of the movement um, back in uh, March 2011 with a breakfast meeting and with the Prime Minister at 10 Downing Street. So more of that on another occasion, um, because actually I'm very pleased to um, welcome to today's show our originally planned guest, uh, who's joining us to talk about agile leaders and how they need to adapt to meet people where they are at. Uh, and our special guest today is Nate Regier. He is author of Seeing People Through um, he's a PhD and CEO and founding owner of Next Element Consulting, who are a global leadership firm dedicated to bringing compassion into the workplace. And my goodness, I think we all could do with a fairly sizable dose of that now, couldn't we? So welcome to the show, Nate. Thank you. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, it's good to, good to have you. And I'm very appreciative of the fact that you've um, adjusted your schedule today to um, keep us uh, to keep us in, um, in 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 on today's agenda for you so uh, thank you for that um for those we're going to tell um our listeners a little bit about you in a moment um but for those of you who don't know me i'm joe moffitt i'm one of the regular hosts um of engage for success radio and my day job is as managing director and founder of woodread who are a specialist advertising agency and we work with uh, organizations of all shapes and sizes to help them use their brands to create high-performing cultures of engaged employees and uh, make great make workplaces great places to be so uh, that's me uh, as i say our guest is nate regier so nate tell us a little bit about yourself about your background because we were talking just before we came on air, but um, although you're in the corporate world now, you actually began your professional journey in the clinical world. So, so tell us a little bit about the journey you've been on, would you? Sure, thank you. I Actually, even before that, I, I grew up in Africa. My parents were missionaries, and I spent most of my early years in Zaire, which is now the Democratic Republic of Congo, and then uh, Botswana. And... Uh, we were also talking about traveling internationally a lot that has, has just stopped since COVID and I, I miss it and I look forward to doing that again. Uh, but my formal training was in clinical psychology and I, I spent 11 years as a clinicologist working in a multi-specialty behavioral health organization. And mm-hmm. luckily I had the opportunity there to explore group facilitation, team development and dabbled in working with corporate groups now and then and really loved that. Uh, and so in 08, I made the, the leap to join with a couple partners and start Next Element with the goal of applying some of those psychology and social science principles in the, in the workplace. Righto, righto. And, and, and the, under, the underpinning driver of what you do at Next Element Consulting is about compassion, bringing that to the yeah. workplace. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, I'm going off. I'm going off piste a little bit here, but let's just stop. Why do you think that's so important? 
Well, compassion has been a, a important thread in my life all through my life. Um, as the son of missionary parents who were focused on bringing compassion around the world, I got, to, I got to see wonderful role models in my parents, but we also lived in a lot of conflict-ridden areas of the, of the world during very con- conflictual times. Like I lived in oh, Southern yeah. Africa during apartheid while Nelson Mandela was still in prison, and so saw a lot of tribal conflict, a lot of, of, of discrimination. And so I always have felt like there's got to be a better way for human beings to coexist, even when there's differences and disagreements. And that's been my passion. And, and when I discovered that the word compassion actually means to suffer with or to struggle with, it opened up a whole new possibility for us around how do we operationalize that in the workplace and how do we teach people to struggle with each other during conflict and diversity rather than against each other right exactly i didn't know it meant that that's that's interesting right okay okay so um you, you do a lot of work i think around and certainly in the in the sort of overview of what we're going to be talking about today it's about personality um, and 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 so, how did that? How did you sort of go from the background that you've been talking about mm. um, to really getting into personality and, and diversity of personality? How, how do they align themselves? Yeah. Well, there. It all started with me feeling like a bit of a black sheep growing up. I, I knew there was something different about me. I didn't fit in. I seemed to be motivated differently. My parents scratched their heads like, who is this child that we have? And I just always felt like I, I didn't sink or gel with the people around me or, or I didn't feel understood by my teachers. And in, in my clinical training, I studied lots about individual differences in personality, and that helped some. And I, so I really have a passion for understanding how people are differently. You know, the temperaments are different, personality is different, how people um, – just approach the world differently. And when, and then uh, halfway through my clinical training, I was introduced to a model called the process communication model. And it's a model of individual differences that focuses on how we communicate with each other, not so much what we say, but how we say it that makes all the difference. And it changed my life. It completely opened my eyes to what I was searching for, which was true communication-based and behavior-based way to understand individual differences because at the end of the day, it's really how we talk to each other that matters. And, and so this tool has really opened up my eyes and, and been something I'm very passionate about. Right. right. Which chimes um, with me from the work we do at Engage for Success and the fact that we, uh, as regular listeners will know, um, the Engage for Success movement talks about the four enablers of engagement um, and the second enabler, is around the role of line managers and team leaders and the need for them to treat their people as individuals, recognizing oh. that they you know, are not a homogeneous mass uh, and that one size doesn't fit all. Fit all. So that, that kind of um, fits well with what we're talking about, I, I think, doesn't it, Nate? Oh, absolutely. And I was really drawn to that principle that you just mentioned because I've always felt like, Learning about differences is great, but it, it's virtually worthless unless we then also learn how to communicate differently. Like you said, a one size does not fit all. And when it comes to personality, 
Personality is such a significant driver of how people want to be communicated with, how they're motivated, how they engage around topics, how they even remember what they experience and talk about it. So line managers that can adapt their communication and practice what we would call the platinum rule, uh, treat people how they want to be treated, really boost engagement um, and see significant results. Okay, I'm going to ask you about the platinum rule in in a in a little while. We'll come back to that. But let let let's just just talk about this need to understand people's individual preferences. Um, it isn't that a bit of a tall order for people. I mean, how it's almost like it's how long is a piece of string. If if you are a new manager, how do you go about learning the skills that you need to understand difference and tailor your communication style so it's not just about understanding the difference is it it's yeah about tailoring, as you said, it's about tailoring your communication to that um is it how how easy is it to learn to do that or is it a lifetime of learning well it's both joe that's a great question and i think where we have where we have done people a disservice is to bring all of these type typology assessments and, and personality models and and we use these assessments to say hey so and so's of this so and so's of that and we don't finish the job which is actually teach leaders how to adapt and communicate so now we're just throwing around labels and thinking that simply understanding preferences is sufficient and that's not good at all so to to answer your question yes people can learn this it's a tall order, but because it's a lifetime practice, people can start small and start already seeing differences in, in a very short period of time. Um, and assessments are important, but we should be able to assess behavior in real time if we're really going to make a difference. Right, right. So it's no good sort of holding your, keeping your powder dry about how you're going to interact with somebody until they've gone through a personality profile assessment and you've had the report back you've got to you've got to have enough tools at your fingertips to start to understand them before that absolutely and that's why we need language-based and behavior-based models so that we can actually listen to how people are speaking listen to them watch their behavior use that to generate some hypotheses about their preferences and then adapt our communication accordingly I think the best leaders naturally do this. They intuitively are listening to people to learn about them and then adjusting communication. Would you say, Nate, in your in your view, um, that it is one of the defining elements of a, of a great leader is their ability to do what you've described? I would, and I actually define leadership as the ability to, uh, to influence diversity towards shared goals. It's the ability to influence diversity towards shared goals. So leadership means influence, but it also means being skilled at influencing different people according to how they want to be communicated with so that we can all contribute to getting where we want to go as an organization or as a community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. I, I could um not exactly play devil's advocate here, and I'm not not planning to do that. But I mean, you know, if you're a lazy leader, uh, you might think that actually the easy option is to surround yourself with um, people who are all the same 
and are not diverse because that makes the management and influencing of them a damn sight easier. Um, but of course, if you adopt that approach, you're failing to gain the value that comes to your organization from having diversity. Because you're talking, you're using diversity in the broadest sense, aren't you, Nate? Yes, yes. And I, I don't think you're playing devil's advocate at all. And the devil cat has enough advocates already. Um, but what I, <laughs> That's true. But you, you bring up a very good point, though, which is, is it, is it easy? Is it the path of least resistance to simply mm. surround ourselves with people that talk like us, share common interests, communicate the same way, want to be led the same way? It certainly is convenient. And sometimes it's the right thing to do if we are very intentional and clear about we only want these certain gifts. Um, but if we actually want innovation, if we want creativity, if we want to in, create a culture where multiple perspectives are valued, then we have to exert the extra energy to be intentional about not only how we find those people, but how we, how we embrace them and, and treat them every day so that they want to stay around. And so they come to work energized uh, to, to deliver. Yeah. And do you think most leaders these days understand that? Or is there still a battle? I would say the majority understand it at a cognitive level. Very few, few of them have taken the next step to adjust the way they communicate to live that out. And even fewer companies have actually taken the last step or the next step, which is to examine their processes, their procedures, their hiring practices, their incentive practices, all of those systems and processes that contribute to a culture of personality inclusion or a culture of personality discrimination. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, you, you would, it, personality discrimination is a whole, a whole new angle on, on workplace discrimination, isn't it? And um, gosh, where could, where could that take us? I wonder, but um, you, you, you touched on the, shortcomings of the classical the classic kind of personality profile approach um and your 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 observation that you made earlier on um was that we we don't take the next step generally we kind of might put a label on someone that they're a red person or a, a yellow person or they're mm -hmm. an eight whatever whatever without taking the next step was just to say if somebody is this then this is this is how we should engage and communicate with them is, is that your is that the problem as you see it or is there more are there more sort of fundamental problems with the classic kind of personality profiling that goes on i think you're right there's that's one of the problems uh which is our which is the tools aren't developed and set up to engage that accountability for behavior but i think the problem also lies individually with each of us as leaders and with our organizations that we are not, we are not holding people accountable to communicate differently with different people. We think that awareness is sufficient. And so now we are treating these personality models like entitlement programs, or we, 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 you know, I'm a high D so, you know, I can do whatever I want, or I'm an introvert. So don't talk to me before lunch. Like somehow yeah. that, uh, um, absolves us of personal responsibility for our behavior and our commitments to each other. So I think that, I, so the, the, the blame goes both ways. The responsibility goes both ways, but I think also one of the problems with other models is they talk about types of people 
instead of types in people. And PCM, process communication model, which, which I mentioned earlier, talks about types right. in people. We all have all of these in us. And that is, is profound when it comes to talking about how we connect with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we all have a number of facets and we play some up and we play some down and mm-hmm. certain situations provoke us to play some up or play some down and that takes skill to understand that it's it's so really what you're saying is it's kind of lazy thinking just to lump people in a bag full of x type yeah i do i think it's convenient and it's lazy and it's not it's not truly being responsible for who we are and responsible for what it means to leverage diversity Okay, so you talked about, or the title of this show is about how agile leaders adapt to meet people Mm -hmm. where they are at. Um, So how can leaders best engage all these different types of people at work? How do they go about being agile and adaptable to variance and difference and diversity? Well, learning about our personality is important. And the personality is structured like a, we have all six personality types. There are six main types. We all have them in us arranged in a preferred set order. And that's pretty evident from birth. Doesn't change a lot, but what we can do is learn to move around within our personality to energize and access those different parts of us so that we can connect with others. And so personality agility is about learning how how I'm learning, how I'm motivated and what energizes and fuels my personality. And then using that to be able to negotiate the different aspects of my personality so I can draw on those energies, draw on those strengths to connect with other people. An example might be my, my base personality type is promoter. That's my strongest part. I'm very adaptable and persuasive, and I, I can kind of go with the flow, and I love to just jump into action. But that's only shared by 5% of the population. Um, the, one of the least developed parts of my personality is called the persister, which is much more about convictions and purpose and being really clear about our, um, you know, our values. And that's within mm. me, but it's not as developed. But I know there are people out there that is their strongest type. If I want to lead them, I have to appreciate that they are value driven. I have to speak about principles and convictions with them. I have to ask them about their opinions and I have to engage them very democratically when we're making decisions. That's the way to be able to get them on board and show them that I respect them. But it starts with me finding that type in me before I can appreciate that type in them. Okay. So first, it's actually, first of all, look to yourself and learn about yourself in yeah. order to then engage others. It has, it has to You have to there. become a steward. You have to become a steward of, of, of who you are and how you're mm. built. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Nate, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, and I've been I've been asking all my guests in really since the whole since COVID crisis began, um, I've been asking them the impact of the pandemic on the, the workplace, in, in, insofar as it relates to their own particular areas of experience and responsibility, and, and listening to everything that you've, you're talking about, what's been the impact of the last ten months? on 
personality and people's personalities um, working from home or not working from home or working in within the, the framework of a pan in a global pandemic yeah. i mean has it has it changed us all or is it has it brought has it brought up certain facets of our personality and impressed other aspects i mean what's your take on on the situation Great question, and we've been studying that and working with leaders around that for the for the last ten months, and it has had a profound mm-hmm. impact on personality, because every one of us is prefers to engage with the world in a certain way. We call that our our perceptual filter, our perception, and every one of us is motivated a certain way through particular psychological needs, and those are critical in order for us to be healthy and well every day. So what COVID has done, it, is, it has impacted our ability to meet our psychological needs in the ways we used to or in the most healthy ways. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for me, my phase personality type, which is the, the designation for the part of my personality where I'm motivated, is called the thinker. I'm motivated by getting, getting strategic work done, knowing I'm using my time efficiently and be, feeling productive. And COVID just threw all that completely out the window. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm putting out fires. I don't know if my days are productive. I don't know if what I'm doing amounts to anything. So there's something about COVID that has made it increasingly difficult for me to fill my tank, to find my gas station. So mm-hmm. everyone has been affected differently. And so we've been coaching leaders about let's learn how your personality is built how COVID has affected that and how we can recalibrate and readjust so you can still get those same needs met, maybe in unique and creative ways. Because just because the gas station got, got moved, it doesn't mean you don't still need that petrol in your tank. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And that's great. Um, if you're coaching leaders to understand that and look and look at themselves and, uh, and, and, and identify how they can refill their gas tank from another source. Um, but of course, that also that that challenge applies to all of us, it, all all of the, you know all, all workforces everywhere. How how can um, going to say you know in inverted commas the average worker gain some of this insight? How how easy is it for them to look at themselves and understand? how they could be being impacted and why they might be feeling the way they are. Well, it's, we are um, amazed often at how quickly when we start to present people the principles of process communication and we start to describe these different personality types, how quickly people can relate and can see themselves in it and can see where they might be impacted and what they could do differently. Of course, once they, you know, once they pick up a book about PCM, like seeing people through my book would give people tremendous I insight. You, I was going to ask you, can we, can we give you a plug for your book? I mean, is that, sure. is that going to be a good way for people to actually understand, read it and think, oh, yes, that's me. I can see myself in this. Well, that's why I wrote it. And that's why the title is called Seeing People Through, because the purpose of a good model is not to see through people. It's to see people through all about how personality can become our greatest asset for agility, for leadership, for surviving these really difficult times. And the book is, is written so that people can quickly find themselves in the story and then find resources for the journey. Um, of right. course, 
you know, engaging a professional trainer or a coach to, to get your own profile and get professional training is great, uh, maybe as a next step. But um, certainly people can very quickly start identifying themselves and figuring out next steps. Interesting, because, I mean, we've been talking, one of the big themes, one of the big recurring themes of the last 10 months is sort of workplace um, approach has been how agility has become the norm from a corporate perspective. Uh Um, You know, organizations and corporates have been forced to be and apply agile thinking in in terms of that approach. And um, it's very interesting talking to you and actually seeing that what's been going on hand in hand with that organizational agility um, or an agile approach is the fact that actually uh, we could, serve ourselves very well by by working up our ability to um, have agility of personality as well. Absolutely. And I want to be really clear that agility is not just flexibility. Agility is flexibility with purpose and with intention. We don't flex just for the sake of it because it's hard it's to flex. Not flip, and it's not flip, flipping and flopping. No, it's not flipping and flopping. Agility is a very purpose-driven flexibility because I adapt because I value you, because I care about you, because I want you to be successful and I want you to belong and feel included. That's why I adapt. Um, And so I think there's an intentionality about it that gives it purpose. And when we know how we're built and what to do next, that agility can truly be a skill set and a differentiator among great leaders. Mm, yeah, yeah, I take your point. So we we touched on um, your book and um, the title being "Seeing People Through," and I know that there are some key themes. And you you mentioned one of them a little earlier in the in the show, and I said we'll come back to that. So um, in the time we've got remaining, um, can you just tell us a little bit about you talked about the platinum rule? Um, tell us what what do you mean by that? What's that all about, mate? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was brought up being taught the golden rule, which is treat others as you would want, as you would like to be treated. And so my parents often would, you know, I would do something and they would say, well, how do you think the other person feels? What issues? Um, And, and so as I learned about differences in personality and how different people are motivated, what I realized is that only about 25% of the population is motivated like I am. So if I attempt to engage you or motivate you or reward you or recognize you, my most natural default will be to give you the same things I would want. And (laughs) even on a good day, I might have a 25% chance of getting it right. So the platinum rule says, let's take it one step further and treat people like they want to be treated. And when we do that, we can dramatically increase engagement and buy-in and morale and motivation and productivity. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Now, that, that makes sense, absolutely. Okay. Um, and then there's a, 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 another theme um, which um, you talk about how, uh, which is around aligning organizational purpose with individuals' motiv- uh, unique yes. motivational needs. Um, we've got a couple of minutes left, Nate. So I think if you could perhaps just explore that with us a little bit and explain what, what, how you go mm-hmm. about doing that. Yes. So we can all agree that 
our mission and vision is important. We can all agree that it should inspire our people, and we can all agree that we need to drive it down to the front lines or somehow connect it with our people. But personality is how we do that. So first of all, we have to craft our our mission and vision in a way that all six personality types can understand it. It can't be written in a, in a language that only certain people care about. Second, we have to connect connect it to the people's needs. So everybody is motivated differently. So we need to connect the mission to how people are motivated. Otherwise, they won't be inspired to pursue it. So that that is a challenge of leadership is to learn how your people are motivated, write mission and vision statements that actually speak to your people, and then show them how their motivational needs are connected to the mission. Right, right. Got you. Quite a challenge if you're talking about a broad, you know, a diverse range of people with a range of different needs. Um, that's going to take skillful. It's going to take skillful crafting of communications, um, isn't it? Absolutely. It's going to take intentionality. It's going to take skillful crafting. It takes purpose. And there's only six types, so we only have to learn six six strategies. Right, right, okay. But it's certainly not, as you know, use the phrase already, not a one-size-fits-all approach to no. you know, blanket, blanket uh, piece of communication. Okay, yeah. lovely. And then um, we've got probably, I don't know if you can do this in 30 seconds, but go for it if you can, Nate. Tell us what you mean about safe honesty and real honesty and the distinction. You bet. Safe honesty is telling the factual truth or sharing your opinion. And safe honesty generally never leaves me feeling more vulnerable or exposed. Real honesty is where I'm willing to expose myself and tell you how I'm really feeling and what's going on with me in a way that brings us closer instead of leaving you as the one that's more vulnerable. So an example of safe honesty is telling you that your, your, your button is unbuttoned or your zipper is down. Real honesty is telling you that I feel uncomfortable because I'm embarrassed. Um, one of them brings us closer and one of them pulls us apart. Okay, got you. And we're out of time, but what a lovely ending. Thank you, Nate. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, thank you for listening to Engage with Success Radio. We'll see you at the same time next week. And don't forget, you can download or stream any of our great shows from our archive at any time. Uh, thank you and good night. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.